Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Raphael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. And now, my charming rabid marmosets, I want you to tell me, which of you is a fan of the Key and Peel TV show with sketch comedy in it? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah it's a great show yep yeah joey uh some of their stuff not all of it but some of it okay okay rafti you have no idea what i'm talking about okay there is a series of sketches that they do where a substitute teacher from an urban setting ends up in a suburban school and much hilarity ensues as he talks about how the names of the students are different to him than what they expected and what their parents wanted to give them which is why today I'm telling you, the thing we're talking about in today's media review episode is T-Ron. <laughs> Y'all ready to talk some T-Ron? T-Ron, yep. T-Ron. Let's do it. Now, now this was Joey's That's idea. It's, 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 this is a cult classic film. And Joey uh, wanted to deep reach deep into our nostalgic uh, sites here and, and, and tweak us a little bit. And and I appreciate that. He also came up with a great rundown of everything that happened. But I'm going to give you my impression of what this movie's about. In this film, Jeff Lebowski takes some bad acid, thinks that he's inside a computer designed by the grandfather from Lost Boys. And there's this really hot chick, uh, Lacey Underhill from Caddyshack, walking around <laughs> with a horrible camel toe. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good synopsis to me. <laughs> That's the movie, right? Isn't yeah. that the film? <laughs> Joe is rubbing his eyes. He <laughs> can't believe that he just heard all that. <laughs> I totally got that. That's it. That is the whole film. I don't know why it became a cult classic. But, Joey, why don't you take the lead? You give us the overview because you have a, a better grasp and a closer association with this film. Uh, okay, I have to say, can you first of all i want to make sure that uh, my audio is coming through are, are we okay yeah, five right. by five brother all right so matt and i have had a couple of conversations since the last uh podcast where we talked about what we were going to talk about today and i re-watched the movie as i'm sure you all did and rafti i'm sure you watched it for the maybe the first time this was not the 1982 <laughs> film that i remember of my youth Okay, <laughs> and I I struggled. I struggled because because there were so many things I couldn't get. I just couldn't get past uh, what what I thought it was as a kid versus you know obviously what it is now. Now I can read to you the entire synopsis uh, if you want, but for for sake of time, Ben, uh, I know that this is an infosec podcast, right? So I came prepared. I came prepared to talk about my three points of how I think this intersects within the cybersecurity, the CISSP world, 
and more in lines with your show. So I'll just say this for anyone that wants to watch Tron, the 1982 version, I, I really can't advise it at this point. <laughs> it is available for free on Disney Plus. If you have Disney Plus, you can watch Tron and the sequel, Tron Legacy. Now, if it Tron is available, if it's available for free, it's worth every penny. Tron <laughs> Legacy, I think, holds water. I loved Tron. Separate Legacy. episode. Separate, Separate episode. episode. <laughs> we'll discuss that on topic of choice. Okay. At some point. All right. All right. Before we get to your security points, which I do want to hear. I want to get Rafti's impression because he's the only one of us who didn't watch it at Jamie Haggerty's 12th birthday party when we, you know, <laughs> when, when we were adolescents and we thought computers were the coolest thing in the entire world. Rafti, go ahead, lay it on me. Rafti, your oh. mic is off. After you gave Joey all thankfully, that shit about his thankfully, mic. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. I Thankfully, I... Um... Uh, had Disney Plus as well, so I did not have to pay anything for it. And the funny thing is, Joey, just to to get everybody the, the, a second warning again, um, I talk to people that I that I'm watching it for the podcast, and they're like, "Wait, the '82 version?" And I'm like, "Yes," and they're like, "Oh, you're in for something." And then I, I wrote, <laughs> uh, I read all your emails. I'm like, "Oh gosh, what is coming my way?" Um, I watched it today, um, and so it's very fresh to my mind. And typically with modern day movies, what I typically do is I think about like scenes and what are they there for. Um, and so my initial impressions is it's very like lengthy. You could cut this movie down uh, to maybe half an hour almost. Um, it's one and <laughs> yes. a half hours. And I think you can. I, I mean, this it's would be very heavy. It's only one and a half hours? Yeah. <laughs> it felt so much longer than that it did it did and and the other thing uh especially uh for for my wife who is watching with me she's like turn the volume down and i'm like if i turn the volume down i can't understand anything so all the 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 audio around it was very like loud and um the the, the voices were so like quiet um that it was very Rafi, like, maybe I, I, I have Disney to tell theme. you i could hear everything i still don't understand it <laughs> okay well <laughs> that was that was one of the things that i couldn't believe in re-watching it was the sound editing for this film was there any was there any boom mics or, or did they just you know have a vhs camera that uh picked up everything <laughs> but i have to say another thing just from my first time watching like that this is a movie from the 80s um it was like from from the animations and stuff very of course 80s but i was i, I liked it it was not too bad you did okay okay uh, it was cringy of course from time to time but like <laughs> it was not too bad i was able I, and i watched it on on my projector so it was fairly big on uh, so you got the, uh the, the experience but the you, you you bring up something yeah. about the length of it something that that i had read um which was that it's like a a tech demo of a new computer software that went on way too long they turned into into a feature length film <laughs> they, they had all these cool toys they wanted to show off what they could do with computers in 1982 and they turned it into a movie when it should have just been left like you said at about 20 minutes half an hour long just as a demo and, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that was the big marketing push. I think if I remember correctly from the time, they made the hype about the fact that it was designed with computers. That was the selling point, not the story, not the uh, acting, not, you know, 
there is a whole there is a whole documentary that I ended up watching after this, this as well, which talks about not only the trials and tribulations that they went through in making the film, but they they went as far as outsourcing a lot of the rotoscoping, which was the the overlaying and overlaying of the of the uh, composite film. Uh, colors to get those to get the lines you know on everything and they actually outsourced that to other third parties because the animators did not want computers to infringe on their potential jobs in the future they were afraid that this would become a standard we'll save that for another time but there is a whole other layer of discussion around tron and the making of tron and this <laughs> and this was a disney film from the outset this isn't a yep. property that disney has acquired later right Right, right, that's correct. And they what they were trying to do was was get a smash hit within within the the genre of special effects because the black hole did not hit the numbers that they wanted it to. So this was like round two for Disney. And I actually like the black hole movie, and that's another I did thing. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in a more realistic and and Joy, correct me when I get stuff wrong here. More realistic plot summation. Um, Jeff Lebowski, or, uh, <laughs> Jeff, Bridge, Jeff Bridges, um, Bruce uh, Boxelider, uh, and um, Lacey Underhill, I forget her name, are programmers at a big company called Encom. Encom, it's not really clear what kind of technology they make or what products and services they do other than games. Games we know they do, and then it seems like they also have Defense Department contracts and a bunch of other shit. Lasers. Um, Games and, and lasers. And, and lasers for some reason. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very laser big, scanning into reality. Lasers. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, Flynn, the character Flynn, is uh, uh, ostensibly the protagonist. Uh, he uh, has had some of his intellectual property stolen by the creepy executive. He wants to prove this so that he can get a claim and he can show the executive for being a jerk. The three of them break into the facility after hours to find this file that can prove this. In doing so, Jeff Bridges gets attacked by the AI that the creepy executive has created. Jeff Bridges gets scanned into a computer because that's a thing that can happen with lasers. <laughs> and then and then and then Jeff has to struggle his way out, defeat the AI, and save all the computers. Right? This is kind of that's the that's the plot, basically. And, right? And, and 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 wrap it all up with a bow and and find the file that that proves that he owns the copyright to the game's uh, uh, roll credits. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Now, I want to hear Joey's three big security things. <laughs> Well, if we look at Tron, right, we we know that vigilance, first of all, comes to my comes to my head is constant vigilance when with intellectual property. OK, and what we have here, if we really break it down, is an insider threat. So Flynn is a programmer, right, at income. And when the MCP, the ex-programmer, 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 sorry, thank you. He's, so he's actually happens, not on the payroll anymore. Right. But what happens to a programmer or an employee of a company when they are terminated from a from an organization, right? Privileges should be de-escalated and so on and so forth. Revoked. So one of the first things that I that I that I thought from a standpoint of insider um uh, uh threats is number one, we have a former employee, which is a high-risk threat. Number two. This individual had privileged access to all of the systems as uh, and the data as the programmer. 
and this individual had the intent or possibly um, uh, the forethought to be malicious with that data, getting inside, quote unquote, hacking the system uh, and, and compromising the integrity, confidentiality, and the availability of all of that data. So how'd I do? Uh, outstanding. And I'd go even further. The movie opens, he's already an external threat breaking in from outside as an ex-employee. He's left back doors and trap doors that he can reaccess once he's inside with the help of his two compatriots who are insider threats. Correct. The thing that gets me here about the intellectual property is from jump, he's wrong. He made it on company assets the question remains, did he do it on company time or his personal time? Regardless, he did it on their computers. He does not own that in a way. He never had that copyright. It was never going to be his copyright. What they try to convey is that he didn't get credit for it. And the executive took credit for his work. Well, tough darts, Sparky. That's how fucking corporations work. If you want to play pay on the if you want to play on the best IT toys, the corporation gets to keep your intellectual property and your boss is going to take credit for your work because that's why you have a boss. Now, he wanted to say, oh, if I can show that this was mine, I'll get credit for it and somehow they'll like me and make me a creepy executive. Go ahead. And so the whole premise to me is inherently flawed. The bad guy isn't really a bad guy. And Correct. Jerry Bridges is, is, is a creep. Am I wrong? I, I don't know. You all tell me. Yeah. If, if Flynn was as good of a programmer as he, as, as he as, as made out to be, he could certainly take his skill set to any other company, make them billions of dollars or, or start his own company for that matter and, and own all that stuff. Let these games go. And yeah, start fresh somewhere else. That's what you did, Ben, when you started want to be a CISSP. You took your skill set and you started your own company with it. And now you're raking in dollars. Tens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, of course, support it with buying a, a gallon of gas. So yes, link the, with the, link in with the, the show buy notes. me a coffee link. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Joey, I love it though. Continuous monitoring, vigilance, keeping uh, constraints upon your uh, current and former employees. I love that. Um, uh, you know, looking at Flynn, uh, to your point, Ben, no, this is not, um, the, he was having a pity party. You know, he's having a little pity party of, I, I built this, this is mine. Uh, uh, but if let's compare that to today's uh, to today's day, the first thing that came to my mind was Apple, and all Wozniak versus Jobs. Correct, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because it's not the individual that has those intellectual rights; it's the organization. So Steve Jobs didn't make the iPhone. He didn't make the iPod. You know, he may have had uh, some ideas towards it, but it was other individuals that wrote the code in order to make all of these things applicable and, and world-changing. So that's kind of where my mind was was going with this. And, and, and how about their terrible that. physical security where, <laughs> I mean, what, what did he even do to that door? Did he, he didn't pick the lock. He, he had like a key code thing. Matt yeah. could pick it's the lock, one by door. the way. Matt could pick the lock. I've watched his, his lock picking skills. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> but that, that, that was a big door. If you, if you notice they had a giant, <laughs> You know, NORAD style door that had a easily defeated little uh, circuit board that you could uh, uh, hack into and 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 get. Yeah. But to continue the the metaphor with Apple, I just wanted to bring up really quickly. Also, Steve Wozniak is not a poor man. He is a very rich man, and similarly, 
Kevin Flynn, the character, also appears to be a very well-off man. He owns an arcade with hundreds of, of classic arcade games uh, with his name on the uh, in neon above the door. So it's not like Kevin Flynn's doing bad for himself. In the 80s, when arcades were a money-making venture. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the hardest the hardest pill to swallow with this and rewatching it, and, and I need to do a segment on my podcast of what what movies in the '80s still hold today, right? And and what which ones don't. Matt and I had talked about this. It was just sad because at the time when I remember watching it, it was mind blowing watching this, and you didn't think about all of the security and the you know, the holes and the, and the flaws with the script and the audio, it was just your, your eyes visually were just blown away because nothing like this had ever been done. Yep. I think you nailed that. And, and, and the problems with the script and the reason it doesn't hold up, even though the visuals could be interesting, the problems with the script are fundamental because it fails as a movie. Um, even with the visuals, there's no frame of reference. They keep talking about going somewhere, going to here, going to that. They gave us no impression of what we were looking at. It was, yeah. there's some neat cityscapes or, or worldscapes or whatever they're talking about, but it, it we don't grasp what those things mean, where those areas are, how far they are apart, how can they travel? And they they tried to make the inner world of the computer anthropomorphized where where programs are people but the analogy doesn't carry forth because it's so forced and ridiculous that we don't know what their capabilities are, especially now that we know the internet and everybody you know, has computers. A program doesn't take far to travel from here to there. It doesn't take a long time. It <laughs> and they didn't talk about the time scale being different or, yeah, and, and, and good, Joey, you were talking about a character called Ram. First of all, they took a bunch of computer-related concepts, terms, and applied them to different things, which does not translate well. So a person was named Ram. He's an accounting program being forced <laughs> to play a game. I think that's stereotypical. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this confused my wife so much. She's like, I don't, I don't understand those words. Are they so technical that I don't get them? And I'm like, no, no, no. They just, they just mess with all of this. It's just like, <laughs> right. And, but just so, so if you watch this with somebody who's like only vaguely if like technical, um, maybe prepare them in that regard that you tell them, well, those names, they don't make any sense. Just don't yeah, bother. No. And, and the Consider problem is names. they're not even internally consistent with those things. Because for most of the film, the threat to a program is being derezzed. That's yeah. the threat. That's their, that's their analogy for death. But then at the end of the movie, in the last culminating scenes, they keep talking about being erased. And suddenly <laughs> that's the new thing. And it's like, okay, again, I don't care what the fantasy realm is, but it has to be internally consistent for it to convey meaning to the audience. Uh, and D is D-Res something you do to a disc? I'm trying to remember. D-Res was- You uh, D-Res a screen, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah D-Gauze, you would D-Gauze yeah. a screen. No, well, you decause yeah. a disc, you derez the screen. Yeah. No, you can degauss a, 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 a screen as well. Okay. Okay. It's, a, it's so, just a magnetic thing. It has to do with magnets and, uh, and electricity. So, yeah. Very good. So, this is something I don't have to know. Okay. Cause, like, two like, old displays. Of course, I had this when I was a child, but, like, <laughs> 
not something you have to do with an LCD anymore. Great. No, it's, complete, it's completely irrelevant. Complete. Ah. But and then there's, we, a, there's a solar sail. Why? Yes, there's a yes. sun inside the computer. Um, the only thing that I thought was good that they conveyed the idea with, they did not use at all. Bit. Bit was oh, cool. Yes. And yes, it was only for like two scenes. Yeah, two so it, scenes, and it's gone, and it yeah. did nothing. Although my, I, I do have one hang up with bit because bit okay. can only answer yes or no. So it ostensibly had only two states, but it actually had three states. It had a neutral state as well, and true bits don't have a neutral state. So Excellent. It have, so it should have always either been in yes or no. But uh, yeah, that was a very very minor thing. And and to to back to the uh, point about the computer terms, Tron is an actual computer term that is not used anymore at all. But it meant trace on, and it was used back in basic programming. And there was actually a trough, T R O F F. So you could do a T R O N to turn on the tracing to debug a program, and then T R O F F to turn off the tracing. Anyways, that's where Tron came from. But uh, also back to your thing. Is Flynn the protagonist or is Tron the protagonist? It makes it really hard to tell who's supposed to be the protagonist of this of this movie. And then at one point, I, I'd fallen asleep or, or or did something, was making a drink, and all of a sudden I came back and Tron was dead. But then he came back and I was like, what the heck is going on with Tron? <laughs> this makes no sense. Anyways, I didn't mean to digress. You know, and, and that's the thing, is none of them seem very heroic, but Jeff Bridges gets to kiss Tron's girlfriend, <laughs> or at least the computer incarnation of it, where he had been slut shaming her earlier in the in the in the film. Who was it who said to her, oh well, uh th they've had you too or something like that? It was just like, what oh. the hell? I mean it was like aggressively bad. And the thing they did with that poor female character, at the beginning she's dressed exactly the same as Bruce Boxlighter. Right. Oh, uh -huh. they're wearing the same sport coat, the same jeans. You know, she looks like him at the end. She's wearing a fuzzy pink sweater and a skirt. And it's just like, oh, my it, it's just it was it was disgusting to me, honestly. <laughs> well, let, let me let, let me go back to the to the infosec aspect of this. <laughs> Get us back and, on track, Joey. <laughs> well, let, another another aspect. And I and I, I, I just posted is. And all this means is they didn't have any good disaster recovery or business continuity to restore the master control program, you know, in the event of a catastrophic failure. Just reboot him, right? Yep. <laughs> right. I mean, how hard can that be? You know, <laughs> and the whole point is they had programs running unsupervised. The whether Tron was the protagonist or whether Jeff Bridget Flynn was the protagonist. They were both trying to set the programs free. That's a really bad situation. That, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's uh, 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 what do you call the run? Uh, oh, damn it. Logan's run? No. No, the race, there are race errors, race conditions. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is fun that you turn it into a race war. That'd be funny. Oh. Um, you don't want, you do want an operating system that can manage the programs. The program should not be doing whatever the hell they want to do. Right. At, at right. the very end, Matt, and I'm curious to your your thoughts. At the very end, when the, the sale, what, what was it called again? Solar sale. Thank you. The solar sale's going which did give me the, the, the slightest goosebumps of nostalgia with the music of the video game Tron that I know three of us played growing up. And Tron, for those of you that don't know, 
was a subset of like three or four other games inside of it where you had the light cycle you had like the 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 the, uh, the disc okay. to attack the, the rainbow at the top to chisel away um and yeah. and did anyone enjoy the tron arcade game as a kid loved it I fucking loved yeah. it. It had an it had an input that was different than all else. It had the spinner had a, wheel. Yes. Yeah. I, and it had a flight stick too, didn't it? it yes. It had like a, yes. Okay. For the light bikes, which for was the, great. For the tanks too. Yes, yeah. you are correct. And, and that that was a fun game. And if the movie was just an ad for the game, great. They accomplished their purpose. <laughs> and shouldn't Tron like the program in the movie? be the game and not some because the way it was described was more in regards to like a control program more like a firewall um it was supposed like tron was supposed to observe what the master program is doing or like others as well um as far as i w understood what the purpose of tron in the in the movie was so like isn't there some I didn't understand well. what his purpose was. I, I had no idea. D D Matt, do you know what? Uh, like, no. Did you gather what was going on? <laughs> I really no. think I really think you find out more of what Tron's purpose was in the Tron Legacy movie, because I don't think anybody understood. And so there's a scene in Tron Legacy where the CGI Flynn is talking to his younger son at the time, explaining who Tron was and why he was made. Mm. In the Tron movie, in the in the beginning, he says as well why he did like when he was called up uh, to the to the boss, uh, right after the boss first time like interacted with the master program, and there is an infosec thing as well. He put in his password. I don't know if you saw this, and if you like, it wasn't clear text. First of all, the password, <laughs> which I found was very funny, it was yep. very short. <laughs> I don't know what complexity. What your well, well, how it was back in the eighties, but I th I thought like back then the the wisdom was that you should not have like words from the dictionary. Uh, this yeah, was a dictionary right. word, yeah. uh, but it had a full stop at the end. So yes, so it actually did have a small bit of complexity because it did have a period. So the password yeah, was master, and yeah. it had a period at the end of it. <laughs> so exactly, so there was a little tiny bit of complexity to it. But yeah, it was typed in clear text, and um, and and it was never even consistent with how it how the users would input stuff into the computers anyway. Some of it was just plain English that they were just typing in. Oh, I have access on level seven to to this such and such thing, and then when it wanted to, it could be all computery. But then also it could just start talking to you, and it could hear you. And... <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, sometimes it was HAL nine thousand. Sometimes it was a TRS eighty. <laughs> and and it's inimical purpose this this ai it was going to make computers more efficient that's how dangerous it was it was going to get into the pentagon and increase their efficiency it was going to get into the kremlin and increase their efficiency that's kind of low stakes threat you know it's not it's not like war games where it's going to launch a global thermonuclear war you know it it, it didn't really have anything as an existential threat to humanity it was just uh it was getting too big for its britches i think that was that was the yeah, idea it craved I more think... power but yeah go ahead rafi i think it implied that it's going to kill the humans i think it implied that oh, humans are only good to do the like the the dirty work like bring me those uh chinese files and so on and i think like the the sort of like implication was there 
that um, like master control will get rid of humans eventually. Um, and oh, is that why you have the laser? The, under the premise, oh, of course, I don't know about why the laser, <laughs> but like, but under the premise, well, everything will be more efficient. So it it is like this singularity fear. I as a as we keep on referring to, I have no clear uh, idea of what when this all started, but like singularity as an idea that computers and that the whole thing as well, where where mass control said, well, I'm now more efficient than when you programmed me. And mm -hmm. stuff like that. So this idea of accelerating AI getting better on its yeah, own. Yes, the uh, AI paperclip generator. You know, if you create yeah. an AI that all it wants to do is make paperclips, its entire purpose is, and, and everything that it does is going to be for making paperclips, including eventually breaking down humans into their component uh, atoms and turning those into paperclips as well. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever its master goal was, yeah, it was obviously craving power and and trying. And, and it's good to point out also that being 1982, this is pre-internet as we know it. So when it said it was breaking into the Pentagon or breaking into the Kremlin, we have to assume that either there were some dedicated weird lines that we don't know about, or it was going in through the old school modem like uh, war games where it was actually dialing into another right. modem somewhere. As if you could find a telephone connection in 1982, long distance to Russia, that would allow you to sustain enough data link to actually allow you to do that. You know, forget the fact that the phones barely work, but okay, sure. Yeah. License. I liked how the computer had to ask for the Chinese disc for its language. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can fit all of the Chinese language in a floppy disk. Right. <laughs> An eight-inch floppy disk at that. So Hold let it. me ask you guys this. What would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? One to zero, we use binary scale, remember? <laughs> this is zero. This is a big zero for me. Matt? I, I give it, if I can't do a fraction, I'll have to go with a zero because it's it's closer to zero than it is to one. Rafti? I'll go with the zero as well. Oh my gosh, I'm at least giving it a one. <laughs> I'm going to give my old childhood love of Tron a one. Nostalgia vote. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. See, I I, uh, I never saw it when I was uh, a kid. I mean, I was uh, you know around certainly, and I saw other '80s movies, but I never saw Tron in the '80s. This was literally this past weekend was the first time I'd ever seen it. So I didn't come into it with any rose-colored glasses, no sense of nostalgia, other than I was aware of it and I'd seen seen scenes from it. I certainly had played the video game, but yeah, it was awful. It was whew. all right. <laughs> yeah, Joey, I I know we want to we want to wrap this up, yep. um, uh, uh, but. I do have to to ask you uh, uh, something, um, and I've totally forgotten what I was just going to ask you. Dog on it. All right, I'm I'm, I'm really sorry. Oh, 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 here's here's what I want to ask you. In that documentary you watched that explains so much of the making of, yeah, did they describe the piles of cocaine that were on every production <laughs> meeting table? Because that's the only way I can see this occurring. Mm -hmm. Was that a thing? Did they do? Did they talk about that? No, they left that part out. Okay, All right. <laughs> that was my impression. That was my. I think the childlike mind that we had in the '80s would be as if an adult was taking cocaine. I think the makers were taking cocaine, and I think the cult status today are people taking designer drugs and rewatching it. I don't think anyone sober could watch it now and enjoy it. The, the last thing I want to ask Rafti, and, and, and this is for an off-topic conversation that we can have. At some point, Rafti, watch Tron Legacy, which is on Disney+. Plus. 
which is was remade in 20 was it 2017 what was it okay i think all of them are in disney plus so yeah and and i'd be curious and and uh, to see what your thoughts are sorry sorry all done Oh, okay. Maybe we'll do think, that in a future episode. I think Joey owes all of us either a, a, a round of drinks or, or at the very least, a great big apology for, for wasting all of our yeah. times. I'm sorry, <laughs> all, all three of you. Or a big pile of cocaine. All right. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a, a, a great weekend. Uh, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. See you again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. T-Ron Free. Hello, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, or other InfoSec certifications? Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com, spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. Engage with us on Discord. Do a search for Wannabea CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to Ben at ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear your feedback on a future show. We are all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies or employers.